Hey, y'all. Real quick before I hit play on this episode of Familypreneur for you, I want to be sure that you know that I have a brand new podcast available for you to check out. It's called Just Marketing, and you can find it on this podcast platform. Go ahead and search for Just Marketing and hit subscribe so you don't miss anything. Then come back here and listen to this episode of Familypreneur. It'll still be here waiting for you. Welcome to Familypreneur, the podcast for parent entrepreneurs raising kidpreneurs. It's time for your weekly dose of inspiration and actionable tips to build your business and find better balance, all while strengthening your family. And now we'd like to introduce your host. She's my mom and the bomb.com, Meg Brunson. Hello and welcome to episode number 46 of the Familypreneur podcast. This episode is brought to you by my Facebook mentoring program. It's a big opportunity for entrepreneurs looking to make big things happen with Facebook. This is a 90-day program that will be customized precisely to fit your business needs. At the end of that three-month period, you're going to be equipped and confident to run Facebook ad campaigns that will increase your traffic, leads, and most importantly, generate more revenue for your business. Cha-ching! Due to the level of support I'm providing, this offer is limited and expected to sell out quickly, so act fast. Visit megbrunson.com slash mentor to see if you'd be a good fit. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Brendan Allen Barrett to the show. Brendan is a sales trainer and the host of The Business of Family and Selling, a podcast that unpacks sales leadership best practices family-first sellers can leverage to develop their sales talent and grow revenues while maintaining a healthy balance of work and family life. Hi, Brendan. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to finally have you on here. We met a couple, gosh, probably a couple weeks ago um, through a mutual friend. And I feel like your focus is so aligned with mine. You're like the dad version of (laughs) the Familypreneur podcast is the business of family and selling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about the origin of your podcast and kind of how that came to be. So um, I was driving out to a job that I had sold for um, Arizona's Department of Transportation. My sales experience, the bulk of it has been in in construction and selling to government agencies and large private clients. And so some of that work happens at night. So I was driving out to Wickenburg. So if you're familiar with Arizona, you might know that that's a little, you know, it's about an hour outside of the valley, right? Um, so I'm, I'm driving there for to kick off a job at 10 o'clock at night, right? And I'm listening into an audio book that my now wife and I had decided to listen uh, smart couples finish rich right and so we're you know I think engaged at the time and so we're trying to, to, to navigate our financial conversations not just finances but talking about finances being two people coming from two different perspectives right um, and so the idea was okay let's consume a book and then we'll have you know this this place to jump off from together rather than being completely different we'll have maybe a shared vocabulary so that was the idea and, and I mean it, it worked right but as I was listening to it and I'm driving out to this job in the middle of the night. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking like, how cool is this? There, there's this book out there that people are buying in pairs and maybe they're not even just buying it in pairs, but like 
parents and grandparents are buying it for, you know, the young couples in their lives, their kids and grandkids who are going to be going through the same thing that we're going through, right? Like what a, what a crazy way to, to spread a message. And, um, you know, like, you know, I was nerding out about content marketing in that moment. Right. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I was thinking like, well, what, what's the kind of book that I could do that with, right? And it was, uh, you know, I was coming up with ideas like, how does a how does a salesman raise his family? How does an entrepreneur love their spouse? And you know, I was coming up with similar ideas, right? Just just different variations of that. And you know, at the time, I think um, I was maybe two and a half, three years into fatherhood, had never been married yet. So I'm like, you know, these are cool ideas, but I'm not qualified to write this book. Like what the heck do I know? (laughs) Right. I'm still, I'm still figuring it out, but I could do the research. Right. And I could take the journalistic approach to writing something like that or creating a course or whatever it happened to be. Um, but I'd have to do the research and what's a better way to do research and build an audience around, you know, a future info product than, than a podcast. Right. And so that was the origin of the podcast. But of course I'm, you know, selling construction projects, doing coaching and training on the side. Uh, I got my hands in a couple of different buckets and my, my bandwidth is stretched. So the minimally viable version of that podcast um, was Facebook lives. So I'd schedule the call, we'd hop on it, I'd hit go live, we'd have an hour-long conversation, I'd hit stop, and the content exists. And, I mean, we did 20-something episodes before um, before uh, my training practice got to the point where I could outsource the editing, because, again, it was bandwidth, right? I didn't have the time to go learn this new thing. I wanted to do it to accomplish a goal, but, again, I it wasn't within my swim lane. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, the, the focus was how do I become a better dad? How do I become a better partner to my future wife? Um, and, and knowing that, Hey, I, I don't have the answers, but there's probably some people out there doing it better than I am. (laughs) I love that. I love that you took that approach with reading the book, but Mm -hmm. I never thought about creating a product that, you know, people are going to buy in groups. Yeah. Well, and, and that they're good, like built in gifting, right? That was right. a crazy concept to, of it too. Yeah. So, and then you took that and you, you recognized that the podcast would be a great way to do that research, which I think is amazing because <laughs> every week on the, on the podcast, you know, you get to meet a new expert and get that 30 minutes, 60 minutes of like really one-on-one coaching or one-on-one talk time with them. Mm-hmm. So what is, what are your plans are you going to write a book? I don't know. Uh, like my my journey into building a business um, is kind of a winding one, right? Like sure. probably a lot of folks. Um, probably back around 2014 when my son was born, um, I started writing and doing, you know, and, and really jumping headfirst into professional development and self-development and, um, you know, started my blog, startinphoenix.com. Didn't really mean anything, but it was geo-specific and it sounded progressive, right? Like, oh, growth, <laughs> starting, whatever, Phoenix. Um, and it started out very vanilla professional development. Um, uh, 
and so along the, you know, I was, I was out there writing content and then I took a bunch of those blog posts on professional development, self-education, goal setting, you know, um, things that I had been using as a salesperson to get ahead and develop. Um, and, and then I repurposed that and edited it for a self-published book. So technically I am an author, um, but like I had no audience to launch that book to. (laughs) So, you know, but it, but it was an experience in like taking on this big project, especially like this content project, which you know, I got a degree in PR, right? But then I jumped headfirst into sales and didn't write anything for two or three years. And so I, I was rusty and, and didn't have the self-confidence to, to really, you know, go out and promote, promote, promote like I needed to. Um, but it was a cool experiment. And, and um, you know, it gave me a chance to grow. And, and from there, you know, I did attract certain people because as it turns out, people are most interested in, in, professional development and self personal development are typically salespeople or want to be entrepreneurs. And so, you know, I started to attract some of those folks. And with that came questions about, Hey, Brendan, I see you're selling and you're doing these, you know, large deals and, and, and chasing down clients that I'd love to work for. Like, how do you get in front of them? How do you open the door to a conversation? How do you turn those conversations into, uh, you know, real sales opportunities and close new business? Uh, and so then slowly starting Phoenix started to take a turn away from just vanilla professional development, personal development towards um, sales development, generating demand, turning that demand into opportunities and, and closing new business. And then from there, even sales leadership. Um, so how do I, as a mom, dad, husband, or wife who's leading sales professionals, sales development reps, account executives, sales, you know, whoever, how do, how do I do a better job of leading them and developing them as a talent pool so that at five o'clock I can actually check out and focus at the pe- focus on the people who are at the dinner table with me rather than being consumed with how broken my sales machine is. Um, so that's where we are now. And that's what the podcast focuses on now. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, it's been a winding path to get there. So do you help solopreneurs figure out sales or do you help entrepreneurs figure out how to build sales teams? Uh, So the bulk of my work is who should a business owner or sales manager be bringing onto their team? How do they ramp them, you know, as fast as possible uh, and then develop them from very entry level sales talent to more experienced sales talent. And then like, you know, top performers. Um, But actually I'm playing with a new model now that would actually open me up to local solopreneurs, if they want to be the doer seller, or they're just at a phase in their business where they have to be the doer seller, they have to go out and find the business and then produce it. Um, if they're here in the Valley, I would be able to work with them as well. And I'd actually be able to put them in a group with other sales professionals. So it's not just me pontificating to them and teaching, you know, from the front of a room, it's them seeing other people sell and people who've maybe done it a little bit longer than them and had more success um, so that they can not just learn from me, but kind of learn from osmosis. So to answer your question, moving forward, both. So it's like a mastermind situation. Like you're going to form like a little local mastermind. Um, more so, so like (laughs) I grew up, uh, I grew up an athlete and and my biggest, my most exciting thing that I did was, you know, I grew up wrestling. I grew up in a wrestling family. And so I think of it like that, right? Like we're going to have this sales gym 
right? Where people are going to come and they're going to role play and they're going to learn new tactics, but then they're actually going to be able to do the work. So if, if part of their sales process includes phone prospecting, email prospecting, social media prospecting, um, we can do that live under the same roof, right? And um, feed off of one, each, one another, compete with one another, learn from one another. But also if you're new to selling or even just to prospecting, um, I can see you do it live rather than have to rely on your self-reporting of, oh, Brendan, for the last week, I've been doing this, this, and this, and it's not working the way you said it was. Well, maybe you're glossing over some very nuanced part of it that makes a world of difference and you you don't know you're glossing over it. That's what I've seen to be the biggest challenge in in working with newer sales talent or even solopreneurs. Because yeah, I mean, that's where I started was solopreneurs and early stage entrepreneurs taking calls over clarity, right? You know, you got half an hour worth of questions. Okay. Charge you for a half an hour. You got an hour and a half worth of questions, you know, you pay for exactly what you need and then go off and do it. But then, you know, sometimes people would leave really excited, but they wouldn't understand exactly what they were getting wrong. You know, they were trying to execute and they thought they were hitting all the points, but they were missing certain aspect of it. And so they weren't seeing the results they were expecting mm-hmm. um, by putting people under one roof and actually seeing them do the work. We don't come victim to their self-reporting. <laughs> <laughs> so for people who aren't in a situation where they have that, what can they do? What are like the top tips or the, the most often missed things that, that people can do to try to self-improve their sales processes? So part of it is have a process. <laughs> uh, try to be consistent because when you're selling, I mean, uh, you're, you're, when you're selling, you're consuming data. And if you're not recording it and tracking it and trying to synthesize it, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be hard to improve. So, I mean, be organized, pay attention, track your conversations. If you're not in a CRM, get in a CRM. You know, it doesn't have to be overly complicated. If you are a doer seller, a solopreneur, I mean, your CRM could be an Excel sheet. Or if you're in Gmail, you could use uh, Streak CRM, which is free for the first user. And it basically is an Excel sheet on steroids. It visualizes your pipeline. You can create different stages as your sales process develops. You can create new stages to the sales process. Uh, You can also uh, do cool mail merges out of it, right? So if you have 20 people you need to say the same thing to today, one email, right? <laughs> and it's customized and it doesn't look like it's coming from a MailChimp or a convert kit. It looks like you sat down and wrote an individual email to those 20 people, right? And that gives you more time to be on the phone, to be on social media, to do all these other things uh, because it does take a lot of touches sometimes to win people's attention, hold their attention, and then nurture them into a buyer. Um, so, uh, my first bit of advice is get organized and track your activity. Um, and then probably the second bit, bit of, of, of wisdom would be you're not being annoying when you follow up and you keep showing up in people's lives. <laughs> you're being persistent. You're being helpful because they've got a lot. If you're not touching them seven to 10 times, you're still in the white noise. They don't even know you exist yet. Man. And it's funny because as you say those, I'm like, those are two things I definitely struggled with, especially early on. <laughs> I yeah. didn't get a CRM system until, gosh, probably like six months ago. What are you using now? I'm using Dubsado. Okay. So it's relatively new. I want to say it's only been around a year, maybe 18 months, but it's $25 a month just for the record. So it's not like super expensive mm-hmm. and it's robust enough for me. It integrates with QuickBooks. You know, it allows me to set up workflows and task lists. 
yeah. and like do all, you know, invoicing. It's a huge time saver. I don't know how I functioned <laughs> without a CRM system before. Like, so is this more managing current current clients or is it managing sales activity? It manages leads. Okay. So I have leads that come in and then I can class I classify them whether mm. they're new, warm, cold, like that's my system, you mm. know. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I do go through my leads list at least maybe not every day but every day or two to mm-hmm. see like who do I need to follow up with, who hasn't It'll tell you who's read the emails so I can see, you know, if anyone's out there listening, I know whether you've opened my emails or not. (laughs) It'll say if it was read or not, and it'll say when it was last read. So I'll know Mm -hmm. if you opened the email but didn't reply to it or or what the the situation was there. Yeah. And it's really helped me provide follow-up. And it's easy to feel like I've emailed this person seven times. Like, I do not want to send him another email but you got to just keep doing it. <laughs> well, it's funny, right? Because I mean, when you have all you have access to this data, especially like read receipts and email, I've had sales reps who get really excited. They've opened this thing 16 times. Well, have they emailed you back? Have they picked up the phone to call? Like letting it hang out there, right? Like they need, they might need a nudge, right? You're not being annoying. You're reminding them. They keep coming back to it, but they haven't taken action on it. Mm-hmm. We need a, a yes to move forward or a no, this is dead. Leave me alone. I'm probably going to look at it 20 more times, but I'm never going to give you any money. Like that's not something to get excited about, right? right. <laughs> You're wasting your time and, and putting all kinds of hope in a deal that's not going to move. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's cool to have all of those those bits of information and collect all that data. But at the same time, like if they are looking at it and they haven't responded, it's time to follow up. It's time to figure out why they keep looking at it, but haven't responded um, so that you can game plan it rather than just being lost in the world of what if. One of the tricks that I've found useful, and I, I'm curious to see what you think about this, <laughs> if I'm on the right track or not, is if I have a bunch where they're not responding, I try to throw in something with personality or with a little bit of humor. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all it needs, Yeah, you know, is, yeah. is being a little silly in the subject line or, or something like that. Um, and of course, now I can't think of a good example, but... <laughs> Are you talking about emails that are going out from your CRM or from like a mass email or like a drip email? Uh, From the CRM. So something I'm sending out. So I've had a sales call with somebody and I'm, they need to think about it or whatever Uh their excuses. Um, And then I'm following up. Hey, like what other questions do you have? What can I help you with? Have, do you have a start date in mind? Like whatever those Mm -hmm. look like. Mm Mm-hmm. Nothing. Crickets coming back. Nothing. Mm-hmm. So then I'll have, I don't know, the fourth email or something I'll send out and it'll say something like, you know, is anyone home? Like, are you there? Or <laughs> have you fallen? Do you need help getting up? Like referencing yeah. back to old commercials or do you know what I mean? Like s- something kind of silly that's mm-hmm. going to not trick them into opening. Like my biggest pet peeve is the emails that come to me with re dot dot. <laughs> like to make it seem like we've emailed before. Yeah. And I see right through that. So I, yeah. I don't like doing that. But um <laughs> but just trying to add a little humor into it or even just be blunt and be like, listen, am I bothering you? Because if I'm bothering you, just tell me and I'll leave you alone. Are you replying to previous emails that you send or are you sending a new email as your follow-up? That's a good question. I don't know if I have I don't know if I have a I think I probably switch it up. I don't know because I don't so know like what the best the, answer like is. The R E colon 
subject line, like upsets you. Right. But like, there's a reason that that works. It gets people to click in. Right. But then once you see through like, Oh, I haven't replied, you know, I haven't talked to this person. They haven't emailed me before. That's annoying. But there is a psychology that gets people to open that email and respond to it or, or get that because they think they need to respond to it. And it's, okay. it's that repetition. Oh, now I'm a jerk for not getting back to, you know, getting back to Meg. Well, if you did send an email and you replied to it and you replied to it, you replied to it. And next to the subject line, it says seven messages in that thread. Like that's going to get somebody's attention versus the first email that came from you. Okay. And that I think I would have less problem with because it's still organic. I think what I don't mm-hmm. like is... I'm going to send you a cold email. We've yep. never spoken before. And I'm yeah. just going to put RE in the subject. Yeah. Like yeah. that to me is like, ugh. So it, 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 it creates a sense of urgency, but then they open the email and realize, oh, there is no urgency. This right. is a trickster, right? But if you have legitimately sent multiple emails, then I mean, they're opening it and the story continues to be consistent. Yes, they did send me several emails and now I'm kind of guilty for not getting back to them. I should at least reply and tell them, you know, there's no business here. Go away, leave me alone. Don't waste your time. Or, hey, I, you know, I want to move forward, like give you excuse so right. you know what the status of the account is. So would you recommend the replying versus the new email? Because of that, like urgency and showing them that. Yeah. So like if, um, so depending who you're selling to, right? Like email is a great prospecting tool. Like you're talking about replying to emails to get an answer on a proposal. It sounds like, uh, so you've already had your discovery call, you've customized, you made an offer and, and they're trying to make a decision. Um, yeah, I always, I always thread messages, right? Um, like if you're prospecting, right. And it is a cold email and you've never talked to the person like, yeah, you're in the white noise. It could take, you know, I have prospect, I've done prospecting campaigns where we're seven emails and four calls. Right. So it's like, in addition to like, I'm referring back and forth to the voicemail. I, you know, I just left you in my second email in this thread or my third email in this thread. Plus I'm, you know, liking and commenting on your stuff. Like, uh, sometimes I have, uh, you know, two sides of the prospecting campaign where it's um, keeping it cool on social media where it's public, but I'm still Mm -hmm. staying in front of you, which will maybe remind you, oh yeah, I've got that email from Brendan I need to reply to, or that voicemail I need to return. Um, So, you know, I'm touching them, staying in front of them over here and in email and voicemail, I'm, you know, very to the point like, hey, we set a deadline for this decision or you were supposed to get me this information and you didn't. Is this still moving forward? You know, where are we at? Um, and then of course over on social media, I'm, I'm keep playing it cool. Right. But still staying in front of you and reminding you that you have unreplied to emails in your inbox. Since we're talking about prospecting, I'm curious what your thoughts are on cold calling. I love People, it. So you do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and as somebody who's like a hundred percent online, I'm like, do people still cold call? I have a cell phone now. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I love cold calling. People still do it. It still works really well. You know, when you're cold messaging people and you're trying to ask for business, like you have to have a pretty, it it helps to have social proof. It helps to have, you know, your targeting down like, Hey, I'm calling you for this reason. You have this thing going on and I can see that from afar. I think this is going to help you accomplish X. And so I want to explore it because I think that's the case because you look like this from afar, but you may not be. So I want to call you because I think I can help you. Um, and I mean, some people get upset with cold calling because 
you know, as the cold caller, right? Because they feel like they're annoying. They're interrupting somebody's day. Like that's marketing and advertising. You're interrupting people's day to get their attention, whether it's on the phone, via email, social media, or on TV. People weren't expecting to see that Cheetos ad, but they're happy they did, right? (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, there's tact to it, right? Um, Similar to email, you still got to follow up. One touch is not going to be enough. Um, With prospecting, whether you're using phone, email, door-to-door, or a combination, and I always suggest a combination, you have to have a marketing mix or a prospecting mix. There is no silver bullet that's going to work with every prospect every time. And sometimes they play off of one another, and that's Mm -hmm. what helps get your email responded to that you left three voicemails, right? Um, so like leaving voicemails and not having people answer doesn't mean your cold calling isn't working. But like if you're solopreneur super early on in your business, uh, focus on, on networking and not leading with an offer. Like, Hey, I just want to talk shop. I saw you did this cool thing. I wanted to hear more about it. I have these questions. Um, and I mean, that's, that's my philosophy on prospecting. Prospecting is collecting data, collecting information, learning things. It's super cool if I learn that, hey, you have a problem I can fix and you're, you have the money to pay me for it. Like you're, you're a qualified prospect. Not every call I make is that going to be the case. I might learn, hey, from afar, you look like a qualified prospect. But now that I've talked to you, because of these reasons, you're not. But hey, there was a sign now that I saw from afar. I didn't realize that's what it meant before. And now I can pivot my approach and be more specific on who I call so that I have a higher percentage of learning. Oh, you are an ideal client. It helps you with your targeting. So you're collecting data, helping you, giving you information that helps you pivot and adjust your strategy. That's again why tracking your activity, being organized, having a CRM is so, so powerful. Um, because only, only through collecting that data and having a larger data set that you can then synthesize. Otherwise you're going off of, you know, anecdotes, right. And, and, And philosophy and feelings and emotions rather than the science of it. I love that. I love that. There's no, there's no failure. Like even a bad sales call is still a learning experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, another cool thing. So, I mean, your first call might be to like for a Facebook ads agency, right? If you're focusing on chiropractors or dentists, right? Your first call might be to reception and they're going to shut you down, right? But you might be able to learn the doctor's name if you didn't know it already. Or maybe they have a marketing manager who's not doing Facebook ads, doesn't have it in their skill set or doesn't have the bandwidth. Uh, they're the gatekeeper you have to get through or the champion for your cause that you have to influence first before the doctor will sign off on your proposal, right? So you can collect information. Okay, I called into the receptionist. They said they're not interested, but I said, you know, hey, I don't even know if you're, I'm, I'm, you have something I can help you with, but I saw these things and that's why I want to, you know, talk to the person who's managing your reviews on Google or on Facebook or wherever it is, or managing your social media profiles, Oh, well, that's Michelle, but she's not in. Well, does she have an email address? I can send her a little bit of information. You know, sometimes they'll give it to you. Sometimes they won't. At least you got a name. If you get an email, that's even better. And then your follow-up email from that cold call is, hey, Michelle, I was talking to Jan at the front desk. She says you do these things. I thought you might be interested in this PDF. Do you want me to send it to you? Or having this conversation. And it's little nudges, right? It's not a one call and done, a one call and they're interested or they're not. And we're going to set a meeting. Sometimes it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 calls with emails in between. So 20 touches before you can get that meeting. And sometimes they are interested, 
but it, it takes two weeks to schedule because they're crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, things are going on. They can't make a decision. Things are up in the air. They don't know where their schedule is at. And so you just have to follow up because of the scheduling aspect, right? A lot of people are making that mistake too, is that they think a cold call means, hi, I'm Meg. I offer the service. Are you interested in it? And that's mm-hmm. not what you're saying. And no. it's not the way it should be. And I agree with you completely that you're saying that like, you do a little research, you discover how you can help the end client right now organically Mm -hmm. and you offer that service and build the relationship and allow it to scale from there. It's, it's about collecting information. How can I help you? If I can help you by, you know, doing something that you can pay me money for. Awesome. But I might be able to help you in a couple of ways that don't necessarily justify funds. And that's kind of a weird phrase now that I say it out loud, but like (laughs) uh, I can help you in a way that helps us build a relationship so that you're open to the idea when I say, yes, I do that for a hundred other people and it costs 1500 bucks a month, you know, and they say, Oh, that's it. Cool. Let's do it. Cause I already know how cool you are and how good you are at this other stuff. And I've found that a lot of the people who aren't at that place where they can potentially afford the service I'm pitching, Mm -hmm. they'll have similar pain points in common. And that's when you create some sort of a PDF, like you mentioned before, or something Mm -hmm. like that, that you could give them Mm -hmm. for free and and still serve them and stay on their radar and get them to follow you on social Mm -hmm. media or join your Facebook group or, or however, listen to your podcast, you know, however you're retaining. Yeah. Cause I mean, not being able to afford you today doesn't mean they can't afford you tomorrow. And if you have content that could help them become the client who can afford you, you know, and it was your content that helped them get there, you know, you're building a level of rapport and trust and expertise in their eye that, you know, once they get there, that you're already top of mind, you know, maybe they're going to go out and get two other quotes. Right. But that's just to keep your number honest. (laughs) And, And that's it. If you're, even if your quote is slightly higher than the other two, if they've got that, if they know you and they, they trust you already and they like you more, that does carry weight. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's why if you're selling something and somebody calls you for a quote, right, but they don't want to sit down or have, you know, the typical discovery call, that means somebody else has already set the expectation, probably has more rapport than they'll allow you to build with them. So maybe you shouldn't be sending them a quote because you're not really even in the, the game. They just want the free consulting or a number they can take to the guy who they already kind of like, but they want to get a better price. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 you know, there's no business that you can win there. Right. So, um, that's, that's probably an important insight in qualifying folks too. If they're not willing to go through the sales process with you, they're not a qualified prospect and you should move on, you know, push back, say, Hey, this is what we have to do before I can give you a price. Cause one, right. I don't know if I can help you Two, I don't know what it's going to take to help you if I can. Um, and, and if I can't do those things, you know, a number is going to mean nothing to you. Right. I know what I want. I want these things. It's just like, cool, get it from somebody else. And if you push back like that, sometimes they'll they'll start to question, either they'll move on or they'll start to question themselves. Is there something I don't know? Do they know something, you know, more than I do? Okay. Maybe I should take, you know, set aside the time to do this the right way. And, you know, you having pushed back allowed you that window to build rapport and maybe win business that was otherwise going to go to somebody else. So much great information. I feel like (laughs) So much value there. So before I want to take a a little tangent before we completely run out of time, because I want to touch on your family stuff. So you, in the beginning, you, you talked about 
you know, why you focused on family, Mm -hmm. but you also have a unique family situation. When you started off, you were engaged or dating, you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and you had a son and your son is from a previous relationship, correct? Yeah. So, and that's, that's kind of an interesting circumstance too. So I was already dating my now wife before I even realized I was going to be a father. So the week my son was born, I found out, oh, hey, there's this kid that's got a face that looks like you and you should look into it. And so I did. Yeah. And so my wife and I were only a couple of months into it. Right. And so like, you know, is, is Brendan worth sticking around (laughs) for? (laughs) Right. And, uh, you know, so we had to jump through a lot of hoops and yeah, I mean, now we have a beautiful mixed family, if you will, but like my son knows no different from his mom and having Lulu my wife, Lindsay in his life. Um, you know, he's got two homes, a bunch of people that love him and want to take care of him and want the best for him. And yeah, that's, that's kind of our situation. (laughs) So how is your son involved in the business at all? Or does, is he absorbing any, have you been um, to start in Phoenix? He's everywhere. He's in my Facebook ads. He's on the front page. (laughs) That's that's a silly question. Uh, He is in my newsfeed all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Something that I was really resistant to coming up as a salesperson was mixing my personal and professional life. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm kind of cultivating a brand that like, that's, a, you know, that's it, that there is no, there is no in between, there is no division. And, you know, I, I used to take the approach to sales, especially when I was first coming out, like, you know, of the logician, right? Like there has to be a business case and there, there does have to be a business case for people, especially to make B2B buying decisions. Mm-hmm. But before they get to logically justifying a purchase, usually there's an emotional buy-in. Um, and I, I didn't always give that much credit to it. You know, if, if people like you as a person, they're going to be more likely to want to work with you on an ongoing basis. You know, if you, if they're going to buy from you once, maybe that matters a little bit less, but if you're going to work with somebody for the next year, two years, five years, 10 years, you know, you can't, you got to be able to stand one another. Right. And, uh, you know, I love my wife. I love my son. Um, I love my extended family. Like that's part of my life. I love to talk about them. I love to talk about other people's kids and what they're up to and, and, you know, learn how other people are, are, are making it work. And, um, you know, and a lot of times that's where things start now for me is, you know, how's the, I used to think like, how are the wife and kids was like a terrible question. Like that's so silly and doesn't, add value to the conversation is like, that's what people want to talk about. That's what I want to talk about now. So um, I'm not so anti merging the two worlds anymore. Do you have to set up boundaries? Like what are your boundaries? Are there any boundaries for you? I'm not perfect. And my wife will tell you that I'm far from it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the origin story of, of the podcast, right? Like I want to be able to do this better. Um, and you know, for my clients, I want them to be able to do it better. Uh, but, but oftentimes, you know, being a provider, building a business that actually, you know, serves the family and serves our needs, you know, it's hard not to put it first, right? Because mm-hmm. if it's a mess, you can't focus on the people who are sitting at the dinner table. You're consumed with thoughts of why it's a mess and how it's going to get fixed and what if it doesn't get fixed. And so that's kind of that's kind of my world now. Most of the people who are leading sales teams and making the buying decisions on the offers that I'm putting into the world, they're married. They have kids. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they want to make more money, but a lot of that has to do with, because they want to take their, you know, give their kids experiences that they didn't have as a kid, right? They want to send them to the best schools or, or, you know, let them play as many sports as they want to do, or go to the summer camp that they've always dreamed of going to. Um, And if, if the sales machine, if the team that's producing the sales isn't running properly and it's a mess it's hard it's you know you're not going to have the funds to provide all those experiences you're not going to be able to enjoy those experiences even if you are squeezing them out right you're going to be consumed with the distractions from work if work is going well it's easier to focus on the family and the people who are straight you know right in front of you um and so i mean that's that's what i'm trying to help people with i love it so so aligned with what we're trying to do here too I would love if you would tell us a little bit about where people can continue to learn more from you and interact with you. So startinphoenix.com, and we abbreviate Phoenix PHX. So startinphx.com is my blog. So you can uh, learn things about me there, get content on sales leadership, best practices on prospecting, managing a sales pipeline, closing closing new business. Uh, and then the podcast can be found at startinphoenix.com slash family. You can subscribe on either iTunes or Stitcher. You can submit questions to be answered on future episodes of the show over there. Um, and I mean, we're talking to mostly solopreneurs here. So I'd, I'd say, you know, if you stop over to Start in Phoenix and you want something that can you know help you uh, better organize your sales process or establish your first process as opposed to winging it like you've done in the past um, <laughs> and help you grow your book of business uh, and maybe create multiple offers from what you're you know beyond what you're offering today. A good resource would be the seven day sales challenge. Uh, so if you go over to startinphoenix.com slash close bigger sales, you, su- you can subscribe to that seven day email sequence. It's a combination of written content, video, audio, that'll walk you through the process of identifying who you should be selling to, what you should be selling them, how you should be going about the task of selling. And then again, how do you escalate buyers through subsequent purchases so that you don't have to reinvent the wheel every time you decide to to raise your revenue goal by going out and finding new customers every time you can create repeat business. So startinphoenix.com slash close bigger sales for the seven day sales challenge. Awesome. And we will link to that for sure in the show notes so that it's super easy for people to find if they didn't have a pen handy to jot it down now. I know I'm always listening in the car. So... <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. This is super valuable for me. I know that um, sales is a struggle for a lot of people. So hopefully everybody else walked away with a ton of value too. And it was fun to hear about your family story as well. No, Meg, I'm grateful for you having me. I love your show. I love what you're doing. I love running into you all around the valley. So this was just another extension of, of those good times. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks. You'll find all of the links mentioned in this week's episode plus the show notes at megbrunson.com slash 46. Last week, we met Heather Chauvin. She's been named the next generation's thought leader in parenting and women's leadership, and her mission is to crack women open to their deep potential and help them understand and decode their child's behaviors. Heather is a TEDx speaker and the creator of the Mom is in Control podcast. She's been featured on the OWN Network, Huffington Post, TV outlets, and more. With wit and wisdom, she inspires a global community of women to take back control of their lives and evolve how they lead, work, play, and parent. 
She joined us to talk about energetic time management and offered a ton of advice related to parenting, from getting our kids to listen to us to establishing a mutual respect that really strengthens the parent-child bond. I loved so much about that interview, and if you haven't listened to it yet, you'll definitely want to. Next week, we'll meet Erin Lohman-Jack, the highly sought-after business coach who transitioned to opening her own speakers agency, and she is the leading authority on assisting thriving, purpose-driven entrepreneurs in how to monetize their message, make an impact, influence change, and inspire action in others. She has a great story to share about her 10-year-old son and his philanthropic mission. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast today so that you don't miss that episode. Thank you so much for joining me for another week. I wanted to add too, if you've made it this far, head over to iTunes and do me a huge favor. Leave me a review. Reviews really matter in getting other people to find, discover, love, and listen to this podcast. And I'd love if you just took a couple seconds maybe even a minute, and gave us a good review over there. Thank you so much, you guys. As always, it was a pleasure, and I will see you next week. Bye. Do us a favor. Share this podcast to a friend. It's like my mom always says, sharing is caring.